0: And this week, um, we said we'd have a chat about saints, uh, because we we mention saints every week, we let people know, Shane, gives us a good resume of who our saints are, that we, we, we're going to um, remember this uh, a, a, on any particular week. And this week, because it's uh, it's all saints, I thought it be a good idea to have a chat about it. I know we, we're hearing a lot about Halloween and so on and so forth, but we'll just stick with saints. And I didn't realize, Shane, there's about 10,000 named saints around the place, but of course, through history... Um, the, 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 there's a different way now that the I means saints become saints from one of a better word. In the early days, I think there were martyrs and so on and so forth. But maybe you can give us a little bit of introduction to saints yourself.
1: Okay, the when, when, you, when you're talking about those particular types of sh- saints, John, we're talking, of course, about those officially recognized by the churches mm-hmm. as being witnesses and particular exemplars for us to look at and to, uh, I suppose, um, copying the way we live our lives. And yes, there's about 10,000 officially on, on, this, on the various calendars, if you take into account the, 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 the Latin calendar, which we belong to, plus the various local calendars and the Eastern Orthodox calendars as well. And of course, the whole thing with the saints is these are the ones that have only officially been recognized, either through the centuries or through the modern process of canonization. Mm-hmm. And canonization is a process whereby the church, through a number of steps, Makes a declaration that a person's life is worthy of example, and that person is, we believe, is uh, enjoying the vision of God, the beatific vision, and it's it's a, it's an infallible declaration actually. Um, when when a, when a saint is when a saint is canonized, and the steps up to it are, you know, you have uh, venerable uh, servant of God, venerable beatification, where the person is called blessed, and then saint, which is the top one. And while we have um, approximately 10,000 uh, saints, um, there are many hundreds of more blessed as well. And even on the Irish calendar, the interesting thing is a lot of our saints are not actually, they didn't actually go through the formal, uh, if you like, legal process with Rome, where they were actually made saints. Mm. These were saints going back through, before saints were declared at the local level, at a local diocesan level, and then recognized by the wider church, but then Rome tightened up the procedure because there was a couple of dodgy ones in there and abuses had crept in. So now that you have to go through the process of submitting a person's writings for verification to make sure they're in teachings of the church, and then for, for beatification, you have to have the first miracle and then the second miracle for canonization. So that's kind of it, kind of in a nutshell. But mm. we're going to have an interesting reflection now um, from Bishop Robert Barron. Now, Robert Barron is a, the director of the Word on Fire uh, online um, evangelization mission. And it started out in Chicago, but Bishop Barron has since been appointed as an auxiliary bishop to Los Angeles. But he has kept up with this work. He's regarded as the modern-day Fulton Sheen, and if you ever come across him online or, or on, on or his books, he seeks to engage with the modern culture in a way mm. that is unafraid, but is also very positive, yeah. and taking on arguments and discussions that people have. I mean, his his online portfolio of videos is actually very, very impressive. But what we're going to listen to now for the next t- nine to ten minutes is. Uh, Robert Barron discussing All Saints and just kind of sharing a few thoughts on it and then we'll come back uh, when, 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 when we're finished with him there, okay?
2: Okay, let's go. At the very beginning of the 20th century, there were two young um, Parisian students, intellectuals. One was called Jacques Maritain and his girlfriend was called uh, Raisa. And Raisa was a poet. Jacques Maritain was a student of philosophy. They were agnostics, more or less, and they decided that um, life was meaningless. And one day in the Luxembourg Gardens in Paris, they made a vow, and they said, unless we can discover by the end of the school year the meaning of life, we will commit suicide. And so during that period, there's something very you know, Parisian and, and a little over the top about all that, but uh, while they were waiting for the school year to come to an end, Jacques Maritain read a statement by Léon Blois, who was a French spiritual writer. Léon Blois said, there's only one real sadness in life, not to be a saint. And that had a huge impact on young Jacques Maritain. Blois was insinuating that there's all kinds of sadnesses. I mean, I I didn't become the success I wanted to be, I didn't achieve this and that, I didn't get the money I wanted. All kinds of sadnesses, but they don't matter at the end of the day. There's only one real sadness, not to become a saint, not to be the person that Christ wants you to be. And see, once you get that, and here's I think what, what struck Mary Tan, once you get that, your whole life changes. Your whole attitude changes because most of us spend most of the time fussing about trivia. And it might be something that's you know, becoming the president of the United States, but from a spiritual standpoint, it's trivial. If you accomplish that, but don't become a saint, or to make all the money in the world. Boy, that's important um, in the common imagination. But from a spiritual standpoint, it's trivia. The only real sadness, the only real failure, is not to become a saint. That woke Jacques Maritain up. And I think of it um, whenever this uh, Feast of All Saints rolls around. One way to characterize sanctity is simply becoming a friend of Christ. It's becoming Christ's friend. Better allowing christ to live his life in you when saint paul says it's no longer i who live it's christ who lives in me that's what it means to be a saint that you allow jesus so to dominate your life in every aspect that he's your lord of course dominus in latin just means lord he's the lord of your whole life and here's something because i've stressed a lot this non-competitive quality of god You say, well, you know, I'm no longer alive. You're living your life in me. It sounds so oppressive, as though I've just surrendered everything. But see, no, when you surrender to God, who is the very ground of your own being, you find yourself. Read Paul's letters. His personality is evident on every page. His unique form of intellectuality, his own passions, his... uh, Uh, Emotional life. I mean all of it's there. Paul is Paul But he can say it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me the old self Focused on ego and success and money and power all that business That that doesn't matter. It's no longer I who live that old self But it's Christ who has come to dominate me and that means I Paul have found My deepest self That's what it means to be a saint well, part of the genius of the church is that uh, we have so many saints and the saints are so diverse. There's nothing of this kind of, I think of, you know, Maoist China in the 1950s and 60s where everybody's wearing the same thing and saying the same things and walking the same way. Well, that's just tired, you know, uh, uh, monotony. The saints are not monotonous. There's a wide variety of personalities, styles, background, education. Um, what do they all have in common? They've all become the friends of Christ. They've all allowed Christ to live his life in them. But the perfection of God is such that it requires this wide variety of manifestations in order to show itself adequately. There's no one saint who expresses the fullness of God. Each of the saints in his or her own way express something of God's uh, power. I use the image of uh, a bright white light that passes through a prism and then it breaks into many colors. Well, think of God's being as like this intense white light, God's perfection. But now it passes through the prism of the saints and it splits into all sorts of colors. And so we look at that wide variety and we get something of God's um, total splendor. It's also why it's important for each person to find a saint, maybe who corresponds to his own deepest longings or style or background. Find a saint who, yeah, he's like me or she's like me. Also, I've argued, uh, find a saint who's not like you. Find one who doesn't have your background, your interests, your style, because that saint will probably complete something that's lacking in you. But all of them in their splendor represent uh, the fullness of God. Yeah, I think it's okay to think of saints as uh, heroes. In any walk of life, we have heroes or models. If you're a baseball player, you look up to certain uh, great figures, you're a golfer, you find there's a swing I want to emulate. And there is something of that in the saints, and we look to them as models or heroes. For many people, John Paul II was that. He was a, a model of the Christian life. But saints are more than that because saints are our friends. Uh, I can say, well, Roberto Clemente is my model of how to run the bases, but I'm not a friend of Roberto Clemente, um, but the saints are alive, and the saints are present to us. They intercede for us. From their heavenly place, they guide us still, as the liturgy says. Um, So you think of heaven not so much as way up there in a physicalistic way, like it's way beyond the planet Jupiter or something. That just puts it at a great uh, remove. Think of heaven as somehow else. It's another dimensional system that yet impinges upon our system. The saints as it were, can stoop low to enter into our system and influence us, pray for us, act on our behalf. So when you find a saint, you found much more than just a model or a guide. You found a friend, spiritual friend, uh, who helps you in your friendship with, with God. I think the most fundamental quality of a saint is a saint is someone who has allowed Jesus to get into his boat. And I use that image from the scriptures when Jesus gets into the boat of Simon without being asked, without being invited. He just gets into the boat and then begins commanding. And Simon cooperates with him. Okay, we'll go out in the deep, and okay, I'll lower my nets for a catch. Even though, Lord, we've been at it all night long and caught nothing, but I'll do what you want. That's a saint. Uh, so a saint is someone who has decentered her life. It's no longer her projects, her plans, her goals. It's now what Christ wants to accomplish through her, and so she sees herself as a vehicle. Again, that's not to be construed in a domineering way, as though I I uh, negate myself. No, no, you actually find yourself. That's why you know the saints are always very vivid personalities. I don't know if really an exception to that. The saints are, are vivid, uh, memorable, striking personalities. Even like the little flower who's just spending her whole life in this quiet little convent in. Northwestern France, but talk about a vivid personality because see the closer God gets The more we're lit up from the inside It's like the burning bush image which is so powerful that when God comes into the world He lights the world up without consuming it. So the bush is on fire, but not consumed uh, Classical mythology whenever the gods come in they destroy what they have encountered. They, they have to clear out a space it's not true with the Bible, but it's, the saints are like, the, like a burning bush. They're on fire with Christ, but they're not consumed. They're lit up. They become more radiant. Uh, that's what we admire about them. That's why the artists depict them with halos, I think, because they're a source of luminescence. They're a source of, of illumination to others. Mother Teresa had that role clearly in the 20th century. Talk about a vivid personality, by the way. Um, but she, she lit up the world around her. Uh, that's what the saints do.
0: Shane, there's some lovely thoughts there. I mean, even that last one, they light up the world around them.
1: Mm, And I love that image he had of, um, you know, the light of God coming through the prison of the saints and breaking out into different colours. And, of course, it's a reminder to us that, you know, the saints are not people that are up on pedestals and away from us. They're, They're there as examples. And, of course, one of the challenges, I suppose, that the Church has at the moment is that so many of the saints are seen as either being religious or part of religious congregations. And it's one thing I suppose that Pope Pope Benedict, John Paul II and Pope Francis have tried to do is they have tried to bring much more uh, ordinary lay people forward as role models. So for example, you have the parents of Thrice of Lisieux were canonized. Uh, There's a number Mm -hmm. that are in process currently with Pope Francis that have been beatified. One I think of is uh, Piero uh, uh, Pier Giorgio Frasetti, yep. who was an Italian saint. He was a young guy, uh, very much involved in Turin and helping with the poor. And he's now regarded as a, he's a blessed, he's a Dominican tertiary saint, or yeah, a blessed, rather, and he's on his way for canonization. So, you know, there's, there's, different, there's different saints like that. But coming back, I suppose, to what we are celebrating, and uh, which is, of course, is the Feast of All Saints. And Feast of All Saints this week is, uh, just for those in Ireland, it is actually a holy day of obligation, mm-hmm. so people are asked to, if possible, to go to attend Mass, and it's a day that the Church honours all of God's saints, and um, it's very much, I suppose, a day where we commemorate family members, um, because it's not just those that have been canonised, but it's the saints that we have known yeah. in our lives, the, go- the the men and women who we know have led good Christian lives, have been examples for us, are part of what's that called, that great cloud of witnesses. Um, and it was said that John Paul II canonized more saints than, than anybody else. But actually, I think Pope Francis is now outranked him Mm-mm. in that regard. But it's just that example to us, you know, that um, you know, the saints are not given a new role in the church when they're canonized, either here on earth or in heaven. But what we're doing is that the, partic- the particular person that's celebrated by the end of their life had responded, this expression that I have here in front of me, is heroically to God's grace and therefore reached the vision of God to the fullest extent that is possible. But, you know, it's not, it's not uh, a process that, you know, saints are not canonized for their own sake. Um, you know, they don't need the recognition. They're already dead and in heaven. <laughs> you know, they're there to sustain us in hope. Uh, they're models for us and reminders what is possible for us to true as well, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, um, when Bishop Barron was um, relating there, and I couldn't help thinking about it, with the people you just mentioned, our, four, our forefathers, you know, our parents and grandparents, when he said that, that that these people allowed God to live in them, that they were the people that God wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the message that I got from that anyway, was uh, all these saints... Including our forefathers, um, going those. back over centuries, they all allowed God to live in them. And so they didn't have to do anything special. Well, they were doing something special. They were allowing God to live in them. And, and it's easy, and yet it's not so easy, because sometimes we want to do our own thing.
1: These are a beautiful example to us. Mm. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a reminder to us, I suppose, that, you know, they're the, 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 the that whole, that, that expression, the communion of saints is what we celebrate on the Feast of All Saints. And the Communion of Saints, of course, has three parts. It has the church here on earth. It has the church, what was called the church, which is the the, the old terminology was the church militant. Then you have the church triumphant and the church suffering. The church triumphant, of course, was those that are in heaven already. As someone has described, the glorious Communion of Saints, you know, and it provides us with a massive (coughs) list of prayer partners because one of the things, I suppose, that's turned around is, for Catholics in particular, yeah. there was this accusation that, you know, we, we idolize saints or, we you know, but I suppose one of the best examples you could give to that is, you know, it's, it's if something's troubling you in your life, you know, and you might ask somebody to say a prayer for you, mm. and it's the same kind of analogy that you'd use when yeah. you ask a saint to say a prayer for you, because we don't believe that because they're in heaven that they are farther away from us so that they can't do anything for us. So it's the same, so, same sort of logic when we ask the saints to intercede for us. And it's not a superstition, although it can verge on superstition at times when people are not careful. You know, so it's just we have these heavenly, heavenly models of holiness, and um, you know, these are men and women um, whose generous spirit, uh, I suppose, reflects that gospel call to love. And to serve God and to serve others, and you know it's it's um, you know if you look at it, the gospel for the Feast of All Saints is the the Beatitudes. You know the gospel that goes yeah. blessed are the poor in he spirit, is. and it's interesting. There's no mention of blessed are the rule makers, or blessed are the obedient, or blessed are the self righteous, yeah. or mm. blessed are the judgmental. Yeah. You know that's not you know what Jesus how Jesus equated holiness. Um, he was about reaching people in their hearts, giving them reason for hope and joy, and encouraging, I suppose, true and, what would you say, lasting conversion, you know? And I suppose it's, it's, it's for us to think about who are the saints we associate, who are our personal saints, who are the saints, who are our go-to buddies when we want to have a chat? Um, you know, for some people, I know particularly in Ireland, there's a great devotion to Padre Pio, for example. Mm-hmm. Or there's also uh, a great devotion to the little flower, St. Therese of Lisieux, as we saw when when her relics were in Ireland a couple of years ago, and the huge crowds that turned out. But it's also a case of, you know, there's a great devotion actually to local saints, um, particularly in certain parts, say say, Kilidi here in Limerick, and of course the, tra- the tradition of the devotion to St. Ida. Um, you know, so it, it just depends where you are as well, I suppose, in different parts of the country. Um, you know, the other challenge of it is then there's Irish saints that we don't know a whole lot about. Uh, like, it'd also be a challenge to say, to ask people to name uh, Irish saints and the Irish martyrs, for example. You know, people that have suffered and died for the faith and are examples examples for us. Aside from maybe, say, St. Oliver Plunkett, who is one of the few canonized saints, officially canonized mm-hmm. saints that we have um, people might think of Saint Patrick, Saint Bridget, Saint Columb, Saint Columba, uh, Saint Brendan the Navigator. You know, so it, those like Saint Kevin of Ben the Lock, um, Cork. Obviously, it's Saint it's Saint Fenton or Finian, Fintan, Finian. Yep. I can't remember. Mm. And then you know, you know, so it, it's it's p- 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 predominant saints so, uh, uh, associated with particular areas of the country. But the question, I suppose, for us this 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 week, as we look forward to celebrating this great festival of all the saints are who are those people, not necessarily those that have been what's called raised to the all glory of the altars, yep. but who are those people who have been exemplars and examples for us in the Christian life and that are we are sure are probably enjoying you know, eternal happiness with God and you know, remembering them on that particular day. And, and, you know, that's that's the idea around it. And, of course, the thing about it is, John, it's something you mentioned at the top of the segment, which, of course, is the tradition and the linkage in with Halloween. Mm. And the reason for that is the, in Old English, uh, All Saints Day was known as All Hallows, Hallows being holy. Mm. So, All Saints. And so, Halloween was the eve of All Hallows. And I suppose the tradition being that you know we would keep a vigil before the solemnity um, which is which was the idea behind it. Of course there's also the traditional linkage in with the uh, Celtic tradition of Samhain and you know Halloween being one of those 10 moments thin moments in the year when we are when the dead and our beloved dead are kind of uh, closer to us in many respects. I suppose the challenge for us is is to try and out what is the Christian part of that festival and that celebration, as opposed to the carry-on that we sometimes see in the modern secular world. and something that we have to be careful of and to remind ourselves of that Halloween actually does have a Christian emphasis. It came out of a Christian culture, even if it has been, you know, um, overtaken by other forces. And it's just to, just to be careful of that as well, you know, and there's nothing wrong with celebrating Halloween in, in one sense but to remind ourselves that the focus is it is the eve of all all saints and that is its purpose in the calendar it's the la- you know the last day of october it's the last day of the autumn and we're heading into the winter and particularly in the northern hemisphere it's a reminder to us that we're heading into the dark days of winter but as the days are getting shorter we're also heading towards christmas when days will start to get longer again
0: and so again, just a reminder. And Wednesday next, um, the Feast of All Saints, um, time uh, time maybe that's around that period where we can remember people, as Shane said, who we knew personally, people who went before us, who ha- had their lives dedicated in some form or other heard what the Lord wanted them to do, and up they went and done it, whether that was plowing a field, or whether that was minding children, or whatever it was. But they done whatever the Lord wanted them to do in that particular time. So we thank them for that, and we thank the example of all the saints. Uh, Shane shares with, them, uh, with us each week, uh, saints from various parts of the world. I know there's various calendars, just one quick one, Sean, Shane. Mm-hmm. There is the universal calendar, and there's the Irish calendar. A quick little... What's the
1: distinction between the two? Okay. The universal calendar is the official calendar which is maintained, if you like, by Rome. Yep. And these are the saints that are celebrated universally around the church. Then we have what's called the Irish calendar. And the Irish calendar are specific feasts and celebrations of the saints which are only celebrated within the Irish church. Mm -hmm. So for an example there, one of the best examples we could give there is actually, I'll give two examples. first example is St. Patrick. So in Ireland, St. Patrick's Day is celebrated as a solemnity because, obviously, St. Patrick is the apostle to the Irish and is, the, you know, is, is our main patron saint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in Ireland, that's ranked as a solemnity. But around the rest of the world, St. Patrick is just another saint, and it has the rank of what's called a memorial, mm-hmm. which is just like two steps below. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. So another example, then, would be, for example, even within the Irish calendar, there are slight differences. So, for example, we have a local calendar here in Limerick. So on the, I'm going to say the 3rd of January, but I need to double check. And the 3rd of January is the feast day of St. Munchen, who is the patron saint of Limerick Diocese. So on the Irish calendar, St. Munchen is just mentioned, but for Limerick, that's a solemnity, that's a feast day. Yeah. So it's just, there's different ranks within the calendar. So basically you have different, different celebrations. So diocese will have a local one because they remember local saints. Ireland has one, and we have a national calendar. So for example, um, the feast day of Our Lady of Knock is celebrated on the Irish national calendar. And then we have the universal calendar, which links us back into the big saints like, you know, John the 23rd, John Paul the 2nd, St. Peter, St. Paul, those kind of feasts days. So it's just part of being part of the greater Catholic family, if you like. Thanks, Shane.
0: We're trying to remem- remember that as you mention these um, each week as we go through the first part of the programme. But in the meantime, Shane, you suggested that we go, go out with a little piece of um, something by Matt Maher.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a little bit different, I Mm-mm. suppose, this morning on the radio program. But it is a version of the Litany of the Saints, and it was one I came across recently, and I just thought it was a nice, uh, gentle version of the Litany. It's not too too overt. Oh, I like it, and yeah. I just thought it was. An, it'd be a nice piece to play out on this particular morning as we remember and prepare ourselves for the celebration of All Saints on Wednesday, and of course the commemoration of the faithful departed. On um, Thursday in the coming week. So this is litany of the saints by Matt Maher.
3: Saint Michael, Saint Timothy. Ooh. Mm-hmm.